Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, Your Statistics, and Sports Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing. And I am That he is. That he is, folks. And we are here back after uh, almost a month of not recording. Um, things are not improving in our ability to maintain order in this podcast. Um, such is life. We are entering the spring of our lives. And the spring season, which means we're fucking busy. Um, yeah. How you doing, Corwin? Eh, I'm here. It's spring. I made it through winter. Do you Watching have harsh baseball. allergies? I forget. I don't. Do you have any allergies for, like, seasons? I never did, and I'm noticing this year that I am congested. So, I think I've devolved into someone with allergies you're getting weaker your body is aging yeah which is bad because i was not strong to begin with no 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 you were the meek that was supposed to be inherited here (laughs) wow i've never thought about it that way but yeah i 300 years ago i would not be alive I love that it's the phrase the meek will inherit the earth because it's like yeah you guys aren't going to be strong enough to take it Someone has to die, and then it passively gets put onto you. <laughs> it's not that the meek will go out and take the earth. It's that the meek will, will you'll inherit it. Like, like the strong will die, and then you guys can have it. Um, this is a podcast about sports. We're here to talk about sports. Um, sports are happening, uh, chiefly baseball, but also basketball and um, hockey, although we don't talk about basketball on this podcast. Correct. Rangers beat the Devils last night. Uh, we're recording this on um, uh, Wednesday, April 19th, 6 o'clock p.m. here on the East Coast. Um, Rangers cock-smacked the Devils uh, in their own goddamn house, a thing of sheer beauty. Literally um, punched him in the deck. Oh, it was beautiful. Deck beautiful a thing to behold um corbin how are your penguins doing in the postseason this year it's the first time they've missed since uh, 2006 uh first time they've missed just yeah so uh they're doing great relaxing i am hoping that there are discussions to be had about where they will move the front office in the offseason and i'm hoping we'll be moving them out of their offices and starting over but uh we'll see we will see brian burke get the fuck out no brian burke is a guy that i work with (laughs) and his name will not be believed from the show because i'm too much to edit this and nobody knows who the fuck he is anyway yeah who the fuck is the President of Ops for the Penguins. P Ops? Who who's Pops for Penguins? Mr. Popper's Penguins. Oh, it is also Brian Burke. Oh, so you were <laughs> you were right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was right, but you know, I didn't catch myself, so I'm kind of wrong. Um yeah, hopefully he's gone. Hopefully Ron Hextel's gone. Um it's a it's a disaster season for the Penguins. I mean, the Hexall they only was got like worse in the first place because, like, yeah, they did not handle I, Philly well. I had hoped there, there were 
inklings of things going poorly in Philly just because of happenstance. And it turns out happenstance is not a good reason to hire someone to a major organizational position. Happenstance is a horcrux <laughs> for Ron Extall. <laughs> um, yeah, so God, it can't get worse. So there's that. Unless he stays, then it then it can get worse. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part about um, any team's GM or coach or like individual of significance is that stasis can actually be a step backwards <laughs> because as bad as you think a team can get, they can get worse without change of leadership, i.e. Jets season two of Adam Gase versus Jets <laughs> season one of Adam Gase. Very true. Yeah. Um, Not a successful yeah. tenure. In New York, might I say. Do, do you think the Rangers are going to fire their front office this offseason? They will all get promoted. They will all <laughs> they will all achieve a higher status of whatever it is they currently hold. Everyone just gets the senior position tacked onto their current job title. I am the uh, senior, senior director of player operations. I'm the senior junior analyst. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am thrilled we will see how the rest of the series goes but so far it's only been one game for every one of the matchups so far so it's not really worth getting into uh but you do have to wonder i don't know man like watching the highlights of the lightning leafs game you have to wonder how like what the rope sales are in toronto right now <laughs> like if, if it happens again frankly i can't imagine anyone is uh buying a new rope because they've had one for decades <laughs> you mean the family rope oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy that's tough it's probably still winter up there in canada too so they don't even have sunshine to break their misery no no they don't uh yeah no it's a it's a sad Sad past uh, several generations of uh, fans up there in Toronto. Oh, well. And the Oilers also like woof, but whatever. Um, Yeah, lots of the hockey corner. Uh, football talk now. Um, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts signed, uh, came to an agreement on a contract. It is a five-year, 255 million dollar contract for the uh breakout quarterback of this last season um we've been seeing these kinds of like earlier ish extensions a lot more in baseball as you know you know teams buy out some amount of arbitration years in exchange at a higher rate in exchange for a lower rate of buying out some free agency years and it seems to definitely be the move in the NFL too where a quarterback contract can get insanely exp- expensive and and they're increasing seemingly year after year. So definitely want to get those done early if possible. And as wild as it sounds, because it's a AAV wise, a $51 million contract per year. At the end of this contract, that might not look like much, or at least it might be more middle of the pack. It's impossible to say. Uh, what do you think of it? I've thought um, to start off, I do not think Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I don't think, you know, by the transitive property, he deserves to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. That being said, the understanding that 
he is your franchise quarterback and you will inevitably have to sign him down the road doing a it's the thing is it's not a long-term deal if it was longer than five years if it was like seven eight nine i think i would be more okay with the number and i think that's the only hedge that the eagles had um but i think risk-wise it's rather low like I understand he had a very hot season, uh, season and a half, but the type of focus and mentality and dedication that Jalen Hurts has shown dating back to high school for how he works towards the position, you know, there's extremely low risk that he will inevitably bust the way we've seen you know, Carson Wentz for the Eagles, or we've seen streaks of it from Kyler Murray, who just signed a massive extension last year, or other guys who get paid because they're extremely talented. And then the second they are hit with adversity and the idea that they no longer have to work for a contract, they kind of drift off and severely, uh, reduce their effectiveness as a quarterback. I don't think that risk is here. Um, If it were the Steelers that signed him to this deal, I think I would be ecstatic. Um, And regardless of how this looks now, in five years, it's going to be a non-issue. The Eagles really don't seem to be struggling to put together a roster with the what they have so far, I mean, they lost a lot of pieces of free agency. They're going to get a billion comp uh, draft picks next year, um, which will help. But that being said, I, I think they're they're set for a couple of years. I, I think they're good to go. Yeah, as it stands right now, heading into the 2023 season, the Eagles have the seventh most cap space, which is pretty fucking nuts. Um, they have just under $20 million. Um it's also going to be interesting to see how the Jalen Hurts contract is broken out. As of right now, those details are not yet available. Um, but you have to imagine that's probably going to be a, a good chunk of it in the last couple of years. It's typically how it goes. Um, it's a full no trade clause. It's $110 million guaranteed at signing uh, with a total guaranteed dollars of $179,300,000 fully guaranteed. Uh, with free agency coming up in 2029. Um, How old is Do you know? In 2029, that will be his age yeah. 31 season. Yeah, his Good his salary was a lot. Contract. His uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, his salary was a lot lower in the past few years than I thought it was. Um, because he's a second round pick, and I had it in my head that he was a first round pick. Um, but he was 53rd overall in the 2020 draft. So his career earnings, like, not a lot. 2020, he made $2.5 million. In 2021, he made $880,000. And in 2022, just last season, he made $1.157 million. Um, that's it. So far in, in his three seasons, he has combined made just under $4.6 million. 
which is crazy to call that like absolutely nothing. But in NFL terms, that's absolutely nothing. Um, And then this year, I don't know if his contract takes effect. It looks like it takes effect for the 2024 season. So he'll play 2023 under his, I guess, the last year of um, this will be the last year of his rookie deal. Um, So he'll only get only get paid um, four point seven, eight million dollars. And then the following year, he'll make something in the neighborhood of like, you know, 50 million dollars. It'll be insane. I um he got drafted, let's see, three picks or sorry, four picks after the Steelers drafted Chase Claypool. Um I really would have uh have enjoyed having uh Jalen Hurts as my quarterback at the the, the last Steelers season drafted of... Claypool? I don't know why I had him I had the Lions did. No, the Steelers drafted him. Um it, wow, wow. it would be hey. I love Kenny Pickett. Don't get me wrong, but it would have been pretty cool to have Jalen Hurts and, and not have to worry about anything else in the world. Yes, that's how that goes. <laughs> once once you have Jalen Hurts, you have nothing left to worry about in the world. Yeah, complete uh, panacea. All of your worries. Well, I guess Shoot. Big Ben had two more years left, so you know... Um, big contracts for a medium-sized man. Love to see it. How big is he? Is he, a t- is he a tall? Is six one two twenty three? Six one. Yeah, he's he's for a for a football player. He is like yeah. average size, maybe. I don't want to say small. He's, small feels rude. Yeah, like he's on the shorter end of NFL quarterbacks, but he's very built. Yeah, yeah, he's a a guy I would not want to fuck with. <laughs> Although I wouldn't want to fuck with any NFL player. If you redrafted the top, you know, let's just say top five, top ten of the the twenty twenty draft, where do you think he goes? This was the Joe Burrow to uh, Justin Herbert. So are you talking? Chase I was about to say, are you talking? You're talking just quarterbacks. No, I would say look at the top five and say, hey, which one of these guys? Do you, Looking, you know, hindsight 2020 would take Jalen Hurts. Like, would Joe Burrow still go number one? Where would Justin Herbert go? Tua versus Hurts, stuff like that. Like, how would you looking? Okay. I think, I think Joe Burrow still goes number one. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you. After that, see, this is good. This is where it's tough right now. I'm tempted to say Justin Herbert would go to and then um, Jalen Hurts at three just because Herbert has a few more years as a starter. A few more like successful years as a, as a starter, although on a more middling team. But if Jalen Hurts' next season is 75% of what he just did, I think it's Hurts than, than Herbert. It is an interesting idea because I think Burrow goes number one uh, nine times out of ten. I think that's locked in. Herbert has shown that he has game-changing arm talent, whereas Jalen Hurts' arm is adequate, but it's not what makes him a good starting quarterback. But he's shown to be an excellent leader. He can run with the ball better. Um, He has that, that... 
mental edge, whereas Justin Herbert, you know, that was his concern coming out of college. And they have some serious chokes on on their side. Granted, they are the Chargers, so it's hard to say whether or not that's on him or just the curse of the Bambino. Um, but I think it would be a serious discussion for two. Um, again, I, I think I would give the edge to Justin Herbert because of the arm talent. Yeah, and I'm and, looking at their stats pages. That's the big difference right now. But sorry, what were you saying? But I don't think there's any discussion over Hertz versus Tua. Hertz, oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tua is a distant fourth at this point. Um, what about Jordan Love? Good. You think Jordan Love would get drafted uh, ahead of him? That was, was the that only other draft? quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, just a real quick comp okay, for anyone well, wondering and not willing to look at the stats page because you might be working and why go to the stats page? Um, 2020 season, uh, Jalen Hurts passing yards, 1,061. He only played in uh, four games. So, sorry, he played in 15 games. He only started four games. My mistake. Um, whereas Justin Herbert in 15 games as well, he started all 15 uh, 4,300 yards uh, in 2021. Uh, Jalen Hurts started all, all 15 games he played in. He had 3,144 passing yards to Justin Herbert's 5,014. Um, just ridiculous. Yeah, he had a 5,000-yard season. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was big. Uh, and then last year, 2022, Jalen Hurts uh, started all 15 games he played in end of the year with uh, 3,701 yards passing Justin Herbert, 4,739 yards. It's like his passing is insane. Um, He also has, I mean, more than double the lifetime touchdowns that Jalen Hurts currently has, but also just about double the lifetime interceptions that Jalen Hurts has. And obviously if you're listening to this, you know that what this is not mentioning is the gigantic difference in rushing between the two of them. As it stands right now, Justin Herbert's career rushing yards is 683, and Jalen Hurts had more than that last year. Um, how many How many attempts did uh, Justin Herbert have the last two seasons? Passing rushing? Attempts. Oh, passing attempts. attempts. Uh, in 2021, he had uh, 672 passing attempts. In 2022, he had 699 passing attempts. Wow. So he throws the ball a lot. lot. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts, for comparison, 432 in 2021 and 460 in 2022. So as a completion (laughs) percent, um, as wild as it is, Justin Herbert is still ahead um, by some pretty decent percentages, but they're both like over 60. They're both over 65 last year where the numbers matter. Um, like both are both are, are good. So this is a non sequitur, but uh, I, the Padres game is on, and, and I rarely get daytime Padres game, so I'm watching it. Josh Hader's up, start of the ninth inning, has his guy down, zero and two, four straight balls to walk him. Cut to Josh Hader staring up into the sky, shaking his head in disbelief, and just the clearest shot in the world of him just saying, "Yeah, fuck me, dude." <laughs> You gotta I love, love those, those those moments in in sports where lip reading uh, is very easy. Yes, 
even if it's um like so like non-interesting just the fact that you can make out a casual conversation without the sound Mm -hmm. is fun my uh my dad and i's favorite pastime together when watching sports is is calling out those moments where you hear pitchers quarterbacks whoever just like you know they're just cussing out a storm and you can see it it's great stuff remember when bad lip reading like first hit the scene yeah how dominant those videos were in the lives of every like sports fan everywhere hey it's they're still was necessary in bringing us john boy media and for that we thank you they're still around too those bad lip reading folks really yeah they still make videos I I see them as as Instagram reels every now and then. Um, speaking of uh, uh, fucking baseball and pitching though, uh, did you see? Oh shit, who was it? Uh, um, Brewers ace, fucking what's his Corbin name? Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns and his uh his pitch clock uh fuckery the other day. No. Um. So he had. He had on uh man on first and second, if I recall. I'm gonna try to find the clip while I'm also doing this. I believe he had a man on first and second. Um two outs, guy up at the plate, right? Guy at the plate, full count. So you know, two outs, full count, runners are going. Yes. Because they have no reason not to. Uh, uh you know, either the ball gets dropped and they get the chance to try to take it you know advance a base it's a walk they're taking a base the bat makes contact with the ball they're trying to take a base like or the gate you know the inning ends and whatever so what corbin burns did was he let the play clock or the uh, play clock the pitch clock run down to zero and right before it hits zero he lifted his leg and did a pickoff back to second because the runners oh, know that if he doesn't man. throw the ball, it's an automatic ball, which means that they take the next base anyway. And he got, I forget who it was, at second out in a pickoff attempt. That's sneaky fuck. I love that. Right? Oh, that kind of strategy stuff, how it's going to flush itself out over the course of this like first season with the pitch clock is incredible. Uh, yeah, I, it was uh that's the shit I'm so excited to see more of is just like the gamesmanship of it, um, which actually this service is a you pretty know, good segue. Well, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, we should talk about the proposed rule changes and will be as trying out in the minors. Ooh, all right. You get those up because um, I, I got an article notification about it, but I didn't actually read it because I was busy today. Uh, but one thing I did want to mention is that, you know, we talked about this a little bit in regards to a Jeff Passon tweet during spring training. But now that we have a good, you know, 242 games so far uh, in the books for this season, um, you know, that's all the games that have taken place over the last, uh, you know, less than a month between all the teams. Um, the game time, average game time is looking really fucking interesting. Because as it stands right now, in 2023, the average game time is 2 hours and 37 minutes. Whereas last season, the average game time was 3 hours and 3 minutes. It's a drop of 26 full fucking minutes. That's incredible. And like we talked about it opening weekend, 
it's noticeable and we love it. And I'm excited that the numbers are matching it because that's how these decisions are going to get made based off of the numbers and not the feel of it. Yeah, and it and it doesn't feel like anything's being sacrificed along the way, which is really nice as well. And there'll be some downstream effects to this that we'll talk about later, but uh, just a few other stats along this line. Uh, the percentage of games that are under 2 hours and 30 minutes, 33.1%. A third of all games played so far this season, a full fucking third, are under 2.5 hours. Zero, awesome. 0.4% of games have been longer than three and a half hours so far. Average game time. Oh, sorry. That number last year, just to you know keep the perspective on it, the percentage of games under two and a half hours, which like I said, 33.1% this year, uh, 3.8% last year. If you watched a game that was under two and a half hours last year, you watched one of the only 3.8% of games that managed to accomplish that feat. And the percentage of games that was over three and a half hours last year, remember 0.4% this year, 10.5% last year. Which means like if you watched 162 games, 16 of those games from your team were over three and a half hours. Whereas so far... Statistically speaking, um, one of them is going to be this year. Yeah, it's great. Uh, just a few more small ones. Uh, average time between plate appearances last year, two minutes and 29 seconds. This year, two minutes and five seconds. Average time between ball in play last year, three minutes and 42 seconds. This year, three minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, and then this one is a little bit more niche um, and probably doesn't matter that much, but it is an interesting uh, trend. Position players pitching. Um, last year, 63, sorry, 0.632%. This year, 0.710%, um, which, but that's been going up every single season. I don't think it really has any effect on pace of play. So I would mostly ignore it, but it was there. So I decided to read it. Uh, so everything is going in the right direction. Obviously, this has only been about a month's worth of games. So we'll have to see how things shake out um, You know, a little bit more over the course of the regular season. Check in on it maybe around the All-Star break, but really promising signs so far. Yeah, I mean, listen, I love the idea of uh, position players just going out there and throwing some ephesis, but uh, I think we all know that's not enjoyable baseball. Uh, I like the restrictions on when they can and can't be used. Um, it will be interesting to see how this evolves over the season as relief pitchers have more and more wear, which, listen, for most teams, I can't imagine they're going to be in many situations where they're stuck having to use non-position pitchers would be the term I'm looking for. Um, and significant amount of blowouts but it'll be cool to see how it does affect those teams yeah um you want... sorry what i was gonna ask if you wanted to talk new baseball rules i do tell me what they are so these are being tested out in the atlantic lead 
league this season. Which, for uh, reference, we had mentioned it at the time, but that was where a lot of the current rule changes have started. It's been the mm-hmm. um, experimental league for MLB the past few years. So um, the fact that it's technically an indie ball league um, does not diminish its importance. Yes. Uh, so the rules as listed, each club will designate a specific player who is not otherwise in the starting lineup as a designated pinch runner. Oh, I did see this. Yeah. That player may be then substituted at any point in the game as a base runner. The player who is designated, uh, the player who is substituted for, as well as the pinch runner, may then return to the game without penalty. So this is the, hey, nobody wants to see Nelson Cruz at 40 years old running the bases. Let's just have a guy who can just go run for him and then sub in and out as needed. Do you want to talk one by one or do you want to list all the rules and then go Let's back do them one by one because I feel like my yeah. my interest or my recollection of what I was going to say will fade <laughs> as we talk about other ones. I I don't like this one very much. I completely I understand it and I think this would have a really good chance of getting implemented because one of the things you have to take into consideration when it comes to rule changes as to whether or not they'll be accepted by both MLB owners and the MLB PA is how, for the MLB's PA's perspective, how will it affect employment? Mm-hmm. And the more jobs that there are at the major league level, the more people get paid major league wages. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to expand the roster for a a single but specific role, the MLB PA is going to want it. It's the same it, reason the MLB PA wanted the universal DH. It wouldn't be an expansion of the roster, only expansion of playing time for a designated bench player. Oh, really? So they wouldn't add a bench playing spot? Like they wouldn't make it a 27 mm-hmm. It would man just roster? be someone on the bench. Oh, that's uh, that I like even less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of those instances where it's like, I remember, I'm sure you do too, because it was not that long ago. When uh, the Universal DH had yet to be implemented, one of the National League fans' arguments was, well, why, what are you going to do? Replace every player that can't hit with a guy who can hit? Should we DH catchers next? Um, which is essentially the slippery slope argument, which is never usually a good one. Uh, rhetoric. Yes, love gotta it. love bad oratory rhetoric. And this isn't that, but it is that over specialization of role that I don't think serves a particularly good purpose. I understand that as player age increases because players can stay in the league longer due to, you know, just better um, uh, physical, uh, you know, better surgeries, better medicine. Jesus Christ. I can think of the word medicine. Hmm. Um, you know, we're going to see more players that probably end up playing into their 40s, especially with the expansion of the Universal DH. And this could serve as a, from MLB's perspective, a good counterbalance to those longer lives given out by the Universal DH uh, to the older players, but I don't like it. Yeah, I... Like, the Nelson Cruz argument, because he's on the Padres now, like, 
yes, it would make the physical watching experience and, and game experience of baseball more exciting because you have, you know, a better chance at, at steals and, and you can score from potentially first with a faster guy compared to fucking Nelson Cruz or Albert Pujols out there. Um, but at least compared to the designated hitter rule, which is purely a positional change that has already been implemented. This, I feel like it changes the core of baseball a little too much, you know, like that's the, the proposition with having a 40 year old player as your DH. Like, yeah, they don't have to play in the field. That's what the position's for. That's fine. But if you're going to have a 40 year old guy hitting for you, he still has to go out there and run the bases. Like he is still a baseball player. He's not, you know, a guy who stands in the box hits and then walks back to the dugout, which is what this would turn into. And man, I just, I get the premise of, yeah, this would, this would make role players more important on a day-to-day basis rather than just guys to, to fill in in utility positions when guys need to rest. (sighs) I'm not a fan of this one. This is this is a big thumbs down for me. Yeah, I, I find it it takes away a lot of the stakes. Mm-hmm. I understand that it would probably increase offense to a degree because even like not old dudes necessarily, but guys like Giancarlo Stanton, who's you know not old, but I mean is constantly experiencing issues with his legs. He's out right now again because of a hamstring injury, and I completely understand. You know, he hits a double. Or fuck it, he hits a single, and you want the opportunity to potentially steal a base. Like you can sub out that guy, and it's also tough because it's like if they're saying that you know the batter gets to come back into the game and the pinch runner doesn't have to stay in the game, then essentially what happens is like you could could you then see the pinch runner twice in the same inning? You know what I mean? Like if uh, if Stanton hits a single, gets on base, you pinch mm-hmm. runner for player X. And then Judge comes up after Stanton. I know that's not the batting order. Ignore it. Um, but Judge comes up after Stanton, hits a home run. Player X scores. And then Glaber comes up, hits a double. But you want to squeeze a run. Can you replace Glaber with, with, with your pinch runner again in the same inning? Like, it's, it's, it, which I think is overcomplicating. It's overhandling a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, it's not the baseball I know, and uh, I'm gonna go yell at some clouds. <laughs> here's right. here's what I would prefer. You ready? Yes. Yes. We 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 introduce a fifth base. <laughs> the fifth base <laughs> is six feet behind the ump. <laughs> the player, the pinch runner, <laughs> the pinch runner has to stand with one foot on fifth base just like you know you're tagging up and he can't leave the base until the until the batter makes contact with the ball and if he okay. does he's out and it works the same so, way but in it's, it's the same way as like a sack fly but in reverse so he's on fifth base so let's just hypothetical Hassan Kim is is the pinch runner that day sure 
Nelson Cruz is up to bat. Right. Nelson Cruz is in the box, lined up, ready to go. 30 feet behind him is Hassan Kim in a sprinter start on yep. fifth base. Yes. He drives one to right field, line drive, one hops. It's it's not a clean catch. So Hassan Kim, the second he hits that ball, is just full-on sprint past Nelson Cruz yes. towards first base. Yes. So instead of so instead of a 30 <laughs> yards, it's what 90 feet from home to first, right? Yeah. So instead of a 30 yard sprint, he has what, like a 60 yard sprint or or however far it would end up being <laughs> to beat out this line drive. He's got a 40 what? yard sprint. It'd be 40. Yeah. Okay, sure. 40 yard sprint. What does Nelson Cruz it is he just like hitting and then immediately like jumping out of the way? Is it a little offset? Is he well, theoretically like, once is he, is he came... rocking like the first or the third base coach who's just like wheeling his arm like oh you have time you got to go 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 and if <sighs> this is fascinating theoretically we have, we have to build a baseball field and get actual <laughs> athletes to test this out the funniest reality would be that once Nelson Cruz would hit the ball his job is done and no matter the outcome of the play he can just go back to the the, the dugout so like he would smack a line drive and then after Hassan Kim passes him just slowly walk back to the dugout because the nothing else is going to be phased by his presence so he could just say fuck it I did what I was paid here to do and the consequences of that are not my responsibility because honestly that's the thing like look if you want to say that any player's legs can be replaced by the legs of, of a different player at any point in time start at the word go like why give Nelson Cruz that first 90 to 180 feet to go run? Make 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 somebody some other schmuck do it. Um I I just want Blair's ball from Futurama. I feel like that's where we're heading. And God, and the Simpsons did it, but they didn't do it. Futurama did it. Mac Roning did it. Mac Roning the god. He knows what's up. Okay, so that's rule number one. Thumbs down. Uh, what uh, what are some of the other ones? How many are there all together? Four. Okay. So rule number two, this one's a much lighter one. Sorry, there's only three total. The, the fourth bullet point was just the date in which this would go into effect. So thank sure. you for formatting this way. Uh, rule number two, pitchers will be permitted only one disengagement from the pitching rubber Per at bat in 2023. This differs from the new MLB rule, which allows two disengagements during an at bat. Sure. I I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I I do get my first thought was well, usually, you know, one of the most common reasons a pitcher steps off the mound is to go through the signs again with the catcher. But with the implementation of the pitch comm system, that's basically moot at this point. Um, outside of instances where other pitch comm isn't working, or you know, for some reason, some players going back to the uh, traditional pitch calling method mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. off the rip. Um, the other instance that this would impact would obviously be pickoff moves. But um, we have to see how that looks with the the two this season. 
I find it interesting that MLB is being as aggressive as it is with testing out just one with the same year that two is going into effect. Mm-hmm. So maybe they really liked whatever they saw when this was done in the Atlantic League a few years ago. Um, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, I um, I have no strong feelings towards this. If it works, sure. If it's only a minuscule amount of time saved, like if you're only saving like five minutes a game by this, I'd rather pitchers get that leeway. I think um, it's more so they really want to bring back the stolen base. Um, That's the thing that I did always yeah. find interesting about why players don't steal bases when the best catchers only get like, I think it's like what thirty something percent. They actually of uh, of stolen bases a good catcher usually prevents. Like it wasn't really high. I I'd have to find this, the the metric, but I don't because I can't recall it offhand. Um, and and you know your average base stealer steals at eighty percent, right? And so it seems like such a layup to get the stolen base. Um, but there was something preventing it. Maybe it was the pickoff that was preventing more attempts. So, who knows? My only concern with the one is it. With one, it could be fucking anything that causes you to step off. Whether it be what if you have a little sneeze? Yeah, like what if you genuinely like something just randomly happens? And what I if don't you want it to be. An... Fuck off! I don't want it to be an automatic green light of like, okay, now it's just no holds barred. I'm just fucking done in for it. Because then it it kind of it takes away any defense the pitcher would have to prevent base running. Well, that's kind of the... I I, I generally agree, which is why we have to see how the season goes, but I think that's why it's interesting because it puts the onus on the pitcher to then deliver the ball quickly Mm -hmm. after that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't be holding it for too long if you can't do a pickoff move, so the only recourse you have to catch a potentially stolen base is to hurl the ball to the catcher who can then try to, you know, get the uh, runner out at second or whatever. I agree that's a significantly lessened defensive capability than the pickoff move, like, by a lot. Um, Instead of one throw that is about 30 feet, it becomes two throws that have to span a full 150 feet. Like, it's a pretty significant difference. Uh, But I'm guessing that's part of the that's where the pace of play element might be coming into play. But I don't know. We have to see what how it shakes out this year. I do, you know, I very much agree with your position. Like, the pressure needs to be on the pitchers to deliver quickly. Um, uh, somewhat tangent, uh, the RPC Heritage Golf Tournament this weekend, designated event, major deal only two of the top 100 eligible players in the world uh like 98 of 100 eligible players were in it um there was one player who is top is the fourth ranked golfer in the world who is notoriously slow and has been the focus of significant discussion in the golf world this year because of how slow he is. And because he's so good, he's shown prominently. Because he's shown prominently, we're forced to watch him take just glacial pace with 
how he plays golf. And there was one shot where his ball, you like, you have to look it up to like really understand what I'm talking about, but his ball got stuck between the wooden bulkhead overlooking this water hazard and the post supporting the bulkhead. So his ball was stuck between two pieces of wood, which by all means, very hard to hit a golf ball off of any hard surface between two equally hard surfaces. You're practically stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it took him five minutes of just standing over this ball, thinking about what to do before he took his shot. And I want you to imagine, pick whatever pitcher you hate most. You hate watching pitch. And just imagine them, him staring at the catcher, just shaking off every sign, shrugging his shoulders. Maybe I want to throw that pitch. I don't know. No, not that one. For five fucking minutes. As the camera just cuts between guys standing around the outfield, the guy on first base who's just kind of losing his mind, who just ends up sitting on the bag because he has nothing else to do. The coaches just ripping their hair out in the dugout. The fans just booing and throwing beers at the, the field. Five fucking minutes. The pitch clock is the greatest thing ever invented for an individual sport. A little early to make that call, but it's there. Well, it's funny because the pitch clock is really just, you know, baseball's iteration of the play clock in the NFL and um, the shot clock in the NBA. Uh, like, it's not even the most revolutionary idea of one of the four Amer- major American sports because it's in two of them. <laughs> but it's such a game changer. Quite literally. Agreed. Yeah. The effects why, are being felt. Why has Google... Oh, why do they only show Facebook videos now? Have you noticed this? I'm muted and my mic is on the couch and I'm trying to talk to you. I'm I have I have not noticed this, no. Oh, you can hear me when the mic I can hear muted? you the whole time. Yeah, I don't think your sound's coming through your mic. Really? I don't think it is. Your microphone was just on the couch and I heard everything you said. No, it's not. <laughs> this gonna uh, nope. There it is. It sees it now. Now you now 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 you sound completely different. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you for the call out. Uh, regardless, but um, yeah, Google just shows Facebook videos instead of YouTube now, and I I really fucking hate it because I don't have Facebook. And I can't I see I, those videos. I have my Facebook, but I'm hard pressed to think of the last time I was on it. Might, maybe college. Maybe. Did you ever make one? Why on earth would I want to hear some guy talking over the shot? Like, why don't the internet, man? The internet has ruined everything. Well, you weren't that great to start with, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I feel you. We're we're gonna have to move on. I'm gonna have to find this later because this is I'm pulling my hair out. Yeah, I I feel you. All right, third rule change. It's the bigger, it's one of the bigger ones. The double hook designated hitter rule. 
Um, which was first, they don't give a description of it. You suck. The double hook allows a team to use a designated hitter throughout the game on the condition that the starting pitcher completes at least five innings. If the starter doesn't pitch through the end of the fifth, the team cannot use its designated hitter for the remainder of the game. I hate this. That's this a is, real head scratcher. This is chaos just for chaos. What does this do to baseball? I don't get the point in that because okay. Clearly what it what they're trying to do here is to try to put more importance back on the starting pitcher. This that which is I I will say this feels like the want of nobody under the age of 75. Um this feels like a want to go back to the importance of the starting pitcher. And we don't want these goddamn um, opener bullshit pansies. We want real men who pitch nine innings and 300 pitches a game. Uh, because what do you do? What do you do if your starter lets up six runs in two innings and throws 75 pitches doing it? So now you're in, hypothetically, a six-run hole. You've got seven innings left, and you either take out your pitcher now, which means you sacrifice your DH along the way, which reduces your offense and therefore your capability of making up those six runs, or you leave that struggling, dying pitcher in for three more innings, hoping to God he doesn't let up any more runs, and you try to get out of that hole later on it makes no sense i've heard this idea a couple of times it's crazy to me that it's now being implemented and one of the cooler strategies we've seen over the last cool year last few years as far as pitcher usage has been the starter where you have a guy go in in the first the opener yes not the starter the starter's always been there the opener yeah. Where you have a guy go in for an inning, maybe two innings, go through the top of the order, and then bring your quote-unquote starter, the guy who would typically go in for the long haul, to start against their you know six, seven, eight, nine pitchers, hitters. Fuck me, I'm getting every word wrong. That You couldn't have that now. It's completely removing a... I don't want to say a major part of uh, pitcher strategy because it's really only used by the Rays. And I think the A's used it a little bit. But it, I, I do not know how you could implement this rule with the idea that it makes baseball better. It is solving a problem that doesn't exist. Because right. even if you wanted to eliminate the Rays from doing it, this is by far not, not the way to do to go about it, you know, because like, yeah, I think right now the only duration based rule we have for pitchers and it's new is the three batter minimum. Mm -hmm. But even if you think about the massive, the, the maximum negative consequences of that versus this, the maximum negative consequence of the three batter minimum is that all three batters, a reliever comes in for hit a home run. So the, the absolute worst that could happen with clear bases at the beginning, which is an assumption, but clear bases at the beginning is 
three runs. The worst case scenario from this is boundless. I mean, physically, it is bound by something, you know, but like, I mean, we've seen, we've all seen games where our starter has gone out there and let up eight runs on 60 pitches in like the first two innings. It's happened. Mm -hmm. We have all seen it happen to the team we root for and the team we are playing against. And to say that the entire team has to suffer at the hands of the poor performance of the pitcher is like gross. I mean, it makes no sense. I like, they note here that this has been something that has been attempted before was implemented previously. I was going to say, this isn't the first I've heard of it. And I really hate the idea that they would be trying it again, that they think that it wasn't quite, fleshed out enough that we need more to 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 figure this out because it doesn't need to be figured out no absolutely doesn't need to be figured out i wonder if they're trying to get at a different problem because it seems like whatever they're going for this does not answer it because this doesn't answer a single question if if the the want is more longevity out of pitchers, I can understand wanting like you know Blake Snell's a guy that's gonna probably pretty reliably only get you like four innings. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird to think of him as like a four inning pitcher. Like he he'll get you five. Sometimes he'll get you six, but like his upper bound is usually six. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not weird for Blake Snell to go out there and throw. 25 pitches for four innings and be done. Yeah, um, especially early on in the season. Yeah, and there's a few other pitchers like that. Snell's just the first guy that stuck out. Jordan Montgomery was like that a lot. Um, it wasn't weird for him to have a really gritty five innings at like 22 pitches per inning where he didn't let up any runs, but it was kind of rough and tumble there. Um, and if you're, if your goal is to prevent there from being that kind of guy, then maybe you try something different than that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't even know what the, because it's tough to judge how to best fix it when you don't know what the goal is here. The goal can't possibly be. We want more complete game shutouts. Right? Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm hmm. It, it's almost like, hey, we want pitchers who are struggling to be left in the game so we get more offense. That's what I didn't want to say because it sounds so stupid and, like, mean. <laughs> like, it just sounds mean. Yeah. Like, boy, there's, you know, the one rule where it's like, ah, oh, we want more job opportunities for fringe players and stuff like that, or, or we want veterans to be able to stick around a little bit longer. Yeah, we want our pitchers to, to really be kicked when they're down so that the other team could take advantage. Yeah. Okay. I've got a better rule idea. They're going to love this. Oh boy. If a team uses more than four pitchers in the game, one of the pitchers has to be a position player. Whoa. whoa, whoa. If you use more than two, one of them, four. four. Ooh. 
more than four pitchers in a game. So five pitchers or more. Does it? <laughs> one of them has to be a position player. Does it have to be the fourth slash fifth, whatever the rule ends up being? Do they have to be the position player? Or if you do cross that threshold at some point during the game, that position player then has to come in in order. Like if you use six pitchers and you're up one run, bottom of the ninth, do you have to send that position player out to close out the game? I would say yes. I would say you could skirt the rule that the fifth has to be a position player if it's like in the middle of an inning. So if pitcher number four starts the eighth inning and, um, you know, lets two runners on, gets one out, two runners on. So it's, so that's, that's three batters. And you say, ah, it's too high risk. We need someone else. Well, you know, you have to pitch the ninth. So it's okay to bring in not the position player there because you know for a fact you have the next inning and you'd rather the position player start with the with the bases clear. Um, so in that instance, you could probably bring in the fifth pitcher as a real pitcher. But then at the top of the ninth, you have to bring in the position player. Yes. That's and, awesome. Because if you think about... Here's, here's my thinking on it. If your want here is for pitchers to go longer into games... Um, this is a much more interesting way of doing it because it will also end up leading to more offense in a way that doesn't damage the pitcher. No one's going to blame like Anthony Rizzo <laughs> for letting up a couple nukes, uh, in a, you know, hard fought seven pitcher outing, uh, because he had to, whereas, you know, if you leave a guy in that's struggling, just to hit the five inning minimum to avoid losing your DH, people are going to come for that guy's throat. So this is, I think would be a much more interesting way of handling it. Embrace the position player pitching, make them do it. Where's Paul, be, man? Let's just get what, it going. What would also be interesting just to continue down this rabbit hole is if, teams tried to skirt the rules by teaching their pitchers other positions. Imagine you took like a mediocre reliever from triple A and were like, you now play second base. <laughs> so, so, so that when, so that Yo, when Jake Cronenberg would be like one of the most valuable players in baseball. You could because you he plays it, gold glove defense, he plays plus offense, and he can pitch. You call it the Shohei Otani rule because now oh, we have to have two way players. How do you forget about Shohei Otani, Corwin? Oh my god. You now have to have two way players on the team. That's sick. Come on. This is this all right. I'm now fully behind this rule. I'm all for it. This this and my fifth base idea, solid gold hits. MLB, talk to me. I'm all for it. Let's go. Pedal to the metal. <laughs> Pedal to the fucking metal, Morty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. This is where baseball should be going. It needs to be, like, painfully strange. Yeah. Sick. I mean, at some point, 
all MLB teams should become the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> like, that's what we need. Honestly, call up the entire team to baseball. 31 teams. Uh, the next expansion team is going to be in uh, Savannah, Georgia. Uh, the ownership group of the Bananas <laughs> will be uh, joining the league. They'll be in their own division that all teams are required to play. <laughs> These games are not exhibitions. They will count. <laughs> all you rules also and like the umpires must play for, by their like, rules. The yeah, exactly. Also, all the games are bananas home games. Dude, could you imagine John Carlos staying walking out of the dugout in fucking ten foot tall stilts? No, <laughs> genuinely, no. I love that. That would be great. Everyone has to do like a behind the back catch. No front facing catches. Yeah, that's fun. Oh, so that, that's all the rules? Yeah, those are all the rules. Um, On the whole, not a fan, got to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as yeah. much as I like my, my quirky little tweaks, um, as written, these rules, not so much fun. I agree with you. Um, Here's to hoping MLB doesn't keep fucking shit up. You did good this year. Let's not push it. Um, speaking of some of the downstream effects of the other rules. So one of the, one of the other rules that has been implemented so far this year is that the base size has increased. Um, we had said it's going to be tough to understand if this is really going to increase the number of steals so far, um, or over the course of the season. Um, and, um, want to talk about that just a little bit real quick. So as it stands Right now, um, there have been 374 stolen bases and 89 caught stealing in the 2023 MLB season. That's a total of 463 attempted steals. Uh, divide that by the number of games played thus far, 528. And that means that there has been an average of 0. 0.88 uh, stolen bases or stolen base attempts per game. 0. 87688. Um so what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, let's look at last year's um total stolen base attempts uh, per game. So last year there were uh, 2486 bases stolen and uh 811 caught stealings. So that's 3297 stolen base attempts. That divided by the number of games played last year, which was forty six hundred and sorry, forty eight hundred and sixty, <clears throat> leads the us to zero point six eight stolen bases per game. So, it has effectively increased the number of stolen base attempts by, um, geez, hold on, zero point six eight divided by, uh, hold on. Wait, my math was bad. Give me one second. I do this. It's an increase of about 30%, just under 30%. So what's interesting, though, is I am hard-pressed to ascribe a difference of 30% to an increase in the size of the bases by, like, about three inches. And we did the math on this. It's, like, 
the the gap between the bases is so insignificant. Based on what I've been seeing from the games, it seems like a lot of this has really been more about the pitch clock. I I'd agree. Like pitchers are fucking stressed out up there. They are under a crunch and they are making bad decisions. And they are like really tunnel visioning themselves when it comes to base runners at times when like they know they just need to get the fucking ball out, which I for one love. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like a lot of the base runners are really feasting on that adjustment that uh, the pitchers are you know having to make now based on the new rules, which is ab- makes absolute all the sense in the world. It'll be interesting to see if this trend continues and, you know, us revisiting these numbers around midway point through the season around the all-star break. Um, Because if this is as a result of pitchers adjusting to the play clock, one would expect um, if not the caught stealing percent to increase, then the total number of stolen base attempts to decrease. Um, But if this is a change that's here to stay, I mean, we could be looking at some, pretty severe numbers by the end of it. I mean, as it stands right now, you know, we are, uh, let me do that actual math. It looks like about one sixth of the way. I don't need to do the math. It's one sixth, uh, one sixth of the way through the regular season. I'm sorry. One ninth, Jesus fucking Christ. One ninth of the way through the regular season. Um, at least in terms of games played from where we, you know, how many games were played in total last year. Uh, and so far, we have 370 stolen bases versus uh, 2,400 stolen bases. So, like, you know, we're we're making a lot of progress on catching up to that number, um, outpacing the number of games played so far. Where, yeah, we'd, we'd catch up um, to the number of stolen bases, uh, which is uh, about six and a half times where we are right now. So we're one-ninth of the way through the season, we're one six and a half through the uh, stolen based count total. So we'll probably, we'd probably catch up to the stolen base total sometime, probably like late July or August. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly how many games the Diamondbacks have against the Padres, but uh, boy, it's a lot. And that's where most of those are going to come from. 1000 stolen bases. (laughs) Corbin Carroll might have more stolen bases than base hits. If God has his say about it. I don't think he has a walk yet this season. I saw that stat God? the other day. Huh. Yeah, no, God God does not take pitches. He swings at everything. <laughs> and he calls all his shots. It's so unfair when you're omniscient. And, you know, being God, he hits a fucking home run every time. So it's a real... Or she. Move. The pronouns are dicing. Touche. Uh, in my religion, which is the absence of one, he's whatever the fuck I wanted to be at any given time. That's true. Unless you're real, then I'm very sorry. Why Why didn't Christians make God a real sexy bitch? They had the chance to be like, you know what God is? God's a I'd, big sexy lady with huge titties. And they were like, I'd no. I'd probably still go to church if that was the case. That's what I'm saying. Like They got a, they, the they Bible, a chance. The Bible was just like a playboy. <laughs> Like they had a chance to make God like a, a Playboy bunny, and instead they made him Hugh Hefner. <laughs> like, 
guys. Not that religion needs more like objectification of women, but it's just so funny with how objectifying their religious organizational structure already is that they didn't choose to go grosser with it. Listen, if we have to choose between objectifying women and the rape and molestation of little boys, uh, I think we could handle objectifying just a little bit. You know what? Women should take the fall for men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I agree, Corwin. (laughs) Yeah. Women are the reason that those kids got raped. Yeah, you know, if the church just stared at some more ladies, they'd stop fucking with these guys. I can't believe Jerry Sandusky didn't use that in his defense. Uh, We are off the rails now. Oh, I'm going to hell. I don't believe in hell, but I'm sure as shit going there. Yeah, we're already there. We live in America. That's not funny, but God, it's true. Yeah, ain't it so? But at least we have baseball. Yeah. Hey, Padres still have a losing record, but hey, we're one today. We're getting closer. It's impossible to take April records seriously. You know, like nothing matters. Yeah. The Rays went 13 and 0. I would almost call them to miss the playoffs because of how fucking funny that stuff works out. I mean, like, as it stands right now, the Dodgers have a losing record and Arizona's on top of that division. Like, the the Pittsburgh Pirates have a winning record. Andrew the, the Pirates came and the back Mets have the city. same record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry, you're saying. The, Andrew McCutcheon came back to that city, and boy, God is happy. Do you think the Angels... Like, do you think the Angels are going to stay on top of Houston all season? Like, none of these matter. Uh, if we reduce roster sizes to two, <laughs> if we then reduce, yes. reuse, and recycle. If Shohei Otani can find a way to pitch 60 times this year, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and catch. Yeah. And I would say hit, but he definitely knows how to hit. Um, and play first and second and third. And sure. No, again, let's just reduce roster sizes to two. And they'll be the best team in baseball. Baseball now takes place in an alley. The ball can only be thrown and hit forward. Yo, we brought up John Boy earlier. Foul lines are parallel. If if we had John Boy's like alley baseball, whatever they called it back in the day, and just had that as the official MLB season with all 30 teams, that would be sick. I wish we had the ability to make decisions. Yeah, just it's April 19th. We are 11% into the season so far. Let's make these changes right now. Imagine we were drastic wholesale life. Um, we could do the math to figure out roughly where we are. I don't want to do that math. I don't want to know how deep into life. What's I'm saying? We're at least 25% into life. Stop talking. I don't want to know. I do not want to (laughs) know. Like, I don't want to live to be 250. Speak for yourself. I want to be mortal, damn it. <laughs> this is what the Highlanders fought for. Please don't cut my head off. Stupidest fucking movie. Those, those movies suck. They were uh, really fun when I would watch them with my dad as like a young child. And I tried rewatching one when it was on TV 
know, like two years ago and garbage stuff. It's crazy because it's if you grow up as a, a fan of Queen, the soundtrack is so good. But when you actually like strip away all the banger songs from that movie, it's just a series of absolute bonkers nonsense that has nothing to do with anything. Oh my God, Sean Connery, man! That's, that's when he had nothing, but he did play a Spanish character. Uh, nothing but the hits from him in that era. You mean the sound of him hitting all the women in his life? Yeah. <laughs> he is such a bad guy. But he is dead now. So, oh well. Oh, I forgot he died. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the movies. <laughs> there was one year that he um, he presented, I think, Best Picture and his, his outre into the, like, the screen when he was giving out the award was, ah, the movies. <laughs> and then they played a uh a montage of the movies. And every crazy. Time and then I, they like, gave out awards down, for the movies. Every time I sit down to watch a movie now, because I was rewatching some like clips of just funny Oscars bits, and every time I sit down to watch a movie now, I think to myself, ah, the movies. The movies. <laughs> <sighs> What's your favorite Sean Connery movie, regardless of his role in said movie? Um, probably the Untouchables. That or one of the early Bonds. Pick one; doesn't really matter. Uh, the correct answer is Alcatraz. The correct answer is um the Prom Queen. The correct answer is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Touche. Uh, guilty pleasure movie for sure. Movie is bad, but why it's a guilty pleasure movie? It is fun. It could Probably have been Sean so Connery good. Is bonkers. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, that's a movie I want to go back and rewatch. Um, I haven't. You know what? I haven't seen in probably close to two decades because I never felt the need to watch it because my dad watched it all the time when I was a kid. The Rock. That's yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Yeah, I've got to watch The Rock at some point. I called it Alcatraz. I just realized I fucked up. You did, and I ignored it because I was like, was Sean Connery going to escape from Alcatraz? No, really? Like, was he one of the prisoners? Was he? Um, Because I haven't seen seen that movie in a long time, but I only remember Clint Eastwood being in that movie. (laughs) No, it's definitely The Rock. I, I have seen The Rock a lot for the exact same reason. My dad would just sit down and watch it every time it was on TV. But they yeah. did they did model a level uh, from Call of Duty after it, so hours playing The Rock. The Rock is one of two Nicolas Cage movies where he is sent to sea prison. What is the other movie where Nicolas Cage is sent to sea prison? Oh my god. Sea prison? In, in the same... I want to check to see if it's the same year, but it's like the same decade. Wow. Um, it is the year after. He gets sent to sea jail prison. in two straight years. What was the second one? You ready? Yeah. Face Off. I have never finished Face Off for good reason. And boy, I did not remember that detail. Jesus Christ. He is sent to sea jail. Or am I thinking of Con Air? No. No, it's Face Off. I don't remember it being... It, it's Desert Prison in, in Con Air. 
Yeah, no, then it has to be Face Off. Because those two movies also were made the same year. Um, Nicolas Cage got off of filming Con Air and immediately went to filming Face Off. Speaking of... Took uh, off one wig and put on another. Speaking of Mr. Cage, do you have any intention of seeing his new movie? Renfield? Red, Redfield? Renfield? Yeah. Renfield. Yes, absolutely. I don't want to pay for it. I really don't want to pay for it. I would pay money to see it. I would pay human dollars, American currency to see it. I don't know what else you could possibly pay for it with, but sure. I love how bizarre he is. This is the movie. This could be his true redemption from his role in The Wicker Man. What's What's the main actor's name? Is it Nicholas Holt? Yeah, who I don't like, but I don't. I've him. never seen him and been like, oh, I enjoy that performance or want to see that movie. I have Agreed. very negative feelings towards him, and I don't know why, other than like his face annoys me. He has an annoying face. I think he's generally not a good actor, uh, but oh, he is constantly in good movies. Which was he the Was he the guy in the menu? He was in he the was menu. The, yeah. He was in The Menu. He was in About a Boy. He was in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I forgot. He was yeah, good in Mad Max Fury Road because he played he was a in the favorite. psychopath. Oh, Who the hell is he in The Favorite? Oh, I'm thinking a different movie. I love The Favorite. I love the Yorgos Lanthimos. Never seen it. My guy. You've never seen The Favorite? No. It. That's the Victorian era queen. One of the yep, queens. With Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, Rachel yeah. Weisz. Um, it might be, it's probably my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos movie. It's so good. I love the favorite. I definitely don't have a favorite Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Um, I've only seen Well, you one, saw The Lobster. So. Oh, you, yeah, oh, so you haven't seen... seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. Or Dogtooth. Dogtooth's the other big one. Dogtooth was the one that got him big. This is not our movies podcast. We have a movies podcast. Um, we never record either. We've actually been better about that one lately than we have this one. Have you watched any of the two, either of the two movies we have to watch for it yet? No. Yeah, me neither. I'm doing one of them tonight. Uh, I don't check remember out Juice what they the are. Big Screen to listen to Corin and I talk about movies. This upcoming episode uh, that we'll record eventually, we'll be uh, uh, talking about Nope and Children of Men. Oh, I um, forgot Children of Men. You always yeah. forget my pick. Yeah, yeah. Children. It's of funny men. how that works. It's yeah. men having children. Interesting. Children of men. Interesting. Those children, they were of men. Uh, the opening scene of that film is awesome. Never seen it. So, shut up. Spoilers. Um, Nicholas Cage is actually playing the Wicker Man in the opening scene. Takes place in universe. Bees. Yes such an unserious person i still haven't seen uh his film with pedro pascal and i i really want to watch that the unbearable weight of massive talent i have not seen it yet either but i do very much want to i might pick it next week you know what's funny you know what role gets better with age from him that was obviously very good all of them no um him in adaptation because I haven't this... seen Adaptation. It's been on oh. my list of movies to watch for a while. I didn't pick that for one of our... Oh, interesting. No, we talked um, about it. never did. You want to do a Nicolas Cage Fest next episode? 
Maybe. adaptation. Because what's great about that role is that the stranger of a dude he's become in real life just kind of makes that role feel even better. Like it makes that performance look even more impressive. Stranger of the dude he become. Again, haven't seen it, so I don't understand the context. And please don't explain it for fear of spoilers. I I don't think I even could explain it. Like, Excellent. Yeah, Nicholas Cage, what a man. Speaking of spoilers, I had not this week, but last week's episode of Succession spoiled the big one. Oh no, it, Larry! It David? was devastating. <laughs> yes, it was the Larry David. Um, That's what they called it to keep it secret. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to see Larry David do a cameo in this. Guys! Stop! That's more like Jerry. I can't really do a Larry. You know, when he's like, you're not serious people. You're unserious yeah, people. It just cuts over serious. to Jerry. It just cuts over to him sitting there like... Yeah. Although, although Tom talking to Greg about the size of his girlfriend's handbag... It was a very Larry David thing to do. Such a spacious bag. <laughs> she is the mockery of high society, Greg. Did oh, she ask Logan so for a selfie? Yeah. Uh, that show is unbeatable. It is. Did you watch the is... most recent episode? Yes. Greg being like, oh, so that makes me like uh, your number two, right? That line murdered me. It was so good. He, I, we will I'm have not to discuss that guy this. will ever be a good actor. I'm not like I'm not convinced he currently is, but he is perfect for this role. Oh, he's perfect for the role. I understand the changes that are undergoing his character this season, but it's making it as someone who struggles through awkward scenes it is now becoming unwatchable television every time he's on screen i'm like oh no oh him, god him actively talking shit about the mistress with marcia just in front of a large group of people while not being sly whatsoever was just the ultimate like i want to die watching this please stop talking it's also so great how much taller he is than everybody because it makes the scenes so uncomfortable to be in the way that everyone is arched to look at him. And I know you feel that inside of you. I know you do. Yeah, I know. Like the fact that the eye lines are so funky every time he's in a scene and the fact that like no one really exists at his head level. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I could have I could have filled the role of cousin Greg very well you know i don't think you could have because your voice is too normal and that's the other thing he has going for him is that he is kermit the frog voice <laughs> it's so high-pitched but like also really round <laughs> i merely wish to answer in the affirmative if it is to be said uh and uh then it i can't even remember the line but all timeline. It's such a be it's a beautiful thing. Oh man, anything about sports left to talk about? I don't no. think so. No. no. Uh we promised you the people uh bullet predictions and <laughs> fucking guess what happened. We, we forgot. forgot. 
Um, so that will be happening on Sunday's recording, Monday's episode. And Cora and I have talked about it. We are recording this Sunday, so we will have an episode for you on Monday. We will. We guarantee it. Um, as we all <laughs> shudder. Um, Corbin, any final thoughts before we get out of here? If you haven't seen Succession yet, go watch Succession. Suck a session. It's one suck session, session of suck. It's suck session. It is the session of suck. Um. <laughs> yeah. Also, Barry is back on, and uh, I need to just. Com- I I need to convince Quinn to watch Barry with me. It's so good. It is, and um, is this the final the season? It's the last season. I know. Is it? When does that premiere? Uh, two days ago. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. It's cool. back already. Yeah. Surprised that they're not waiting till after succession finishes. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like because I feel like there'd be a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, succession's over. Cancel my subscription. Uh, like they wouldn't yeah. wait to remember that Barry is also good. I think it actually makes a lot of sense they're overlapping them. Did Barry, did that start when Game of Thrones was still on? Like, was that first season? The like would that it immediately follow Game of Thrones? It must have been because Barry's on season four, which means it debuted a, at least four years ago. Twenty nineteen would that that's the final season of Game of Thrones. Because yeah. I had I watched season eight of Game of Thrones with Kel. Yeah. So like we were together and we just had our four year anniversary. So they must have if like either overlapped that last season and first season or Barry coming out like right after Game of Thrones ended. So, so you watch it with Kel? Season 8, Game of Thrones. Uh, the, do you watch Barry with Kel? Uh, also, yes. Okay. Yeah. That might be the card I need to convince Quinn. I watch all but of But Kel watches Kel. it. Kel loves it, too. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Discussion will be had. Indeed. All right. Well, in the meantime, now that we had a lot of good pop culture talk, um... If you want to follow the show on uh, on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod for as long as Twitter still exists. Um, if you'd like to follow Corin on Twitter, you can do so at Corin Heller. To follow myself on Twitter, you can just do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until 